Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21. I'm reading from the King James Version. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, he must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And know it not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man art ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, sorry, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he are not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and the men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to both Norma and Rebecca for uh, praying and reading the scriptures. So beautiful. I was talking to my brother last night. Uh, Earl lives down in uh, Nova Scotia, right in the path of where the hurricane was coming in. And um, he was saying they got through the night, but they, about seven or eight trees, uh, he lost big limbs, a couple of them went down, so it was pretty, pretty crazy night. Uh, we had a tree come down oh, a few months back, and uh, it's pretty messy to clean up, so you can imagine six or seven of them or whatever, pulling them all up, but he was grateful that they got through the night. So yes, we have uh, the power of the ocean, the power of the waves, the water, the wind. Um, Jesus makes reference to the wind in our text. So, powerful forces. Powerful forces by our Creator God, our Creator, Redeemer God. You know, God is, the universe is His handiwork, so that's pretty, pretty incredible. Power of a hurricane. Power of the oceans, we sang. So we're mindful of all that today. We have a rainy day. Uh, you know, God is our creator. He's our sustainer. He provides for us. Coming into the fall, we look to God as the one who is there for us. So we've been looking at the theme of paradox, um, how paradox is central, really, to, to the Scriptures and God's revelation to us. We are part of the human divine dynamic, listening to his voice. As Darlene said, though, God reveals himself to us uh, invisibly, but we, through his elements. But he seems and is invisible and seems far away, so that's always the challenge that we have in terms of entering into this human divine dynamic of knowing God and walking in relationship with him. And that's really all that's going on here in our text with Jesus and Nicodemus today. So it's a paradox. We've seen the paradox of tears and happiness. We share that in our lives. Our lives are both tears and happiness various times. We also looked at the theme of suffering and healing. We suffer, but often we experience his healing. I mentioned the story of Beth and her sciatica nerves in her legs, uh, lots and lots and lots of pain. Well, then here she is, tickling the ivories, as only Beth can. 
but that's healing. So we, you know, we have both sides of that, right? So it's, we all enter into that at different ways. And then today we come to this text in John 3. We're kind of moving around in the Gospel of John. The reality that God reveals, but he also hides. Christ comes to us as the elusive Christ. It's hard to pin Jesus down. So in the Gospel of John, particularly, that's, that's, the, that's the case. So we always have the challenge. We need faith, but, but faith takes us to say yes. So, you know, we use the image of living like this, clenched fists, but we've got to open up our hands to receive what God has in Christ for us. So it's, it's this mixture that God speaks and we have to listen. And it always takes faith, always requires us to say yes. That's, that's the dimension of our story. So, all right, so gospel and paradox. Paradoja, they say in Spanish. Mystery and revelation. Okay, so we come to our story in John 3. We're told that Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the word Nike, Nicodemus is conqueror. So Nicodemus, it's actually related to the word, well, it's from the same root, etymology of Nike, uh, victory. And so when we wear our Nikes, our running shoes, and it has a symbol on the side of it, that's actually from the goddess Nike, and it's related to this name, Victorious. So there's all kinds of connections between first century world, Greco-Roman world, and even today too, and the marketing world is quite aware of that. Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is Jewish, he's a Pharisee, and he sits on the Sanhedrin, which is the high Jewish culture or counsel. And to do that means he's a mature person. So he's someone at least 50 years old to sit on that council. So he's a leader. He's respected in the community. When he's out on the streets in Jerusalem, when people see him, they kind of bow their heads. That's who Nicodemus is. And so Nicodemus, this mature man, comes to Jesus, who's 30, 30 years old. So we have this mature guy who sits on the council, the highest council in Israel, coming to this young minister, 30 years old, who hasn't gone to any of the best schools. He's from Galilee, rural Galilee, and here he is. So you can just imagine the dynamics. What are the power dynamics that are going on here? Sure guy, leader, coming to this young preacher. So Nicodemus, we're told in verses 1 and 2, comes at night, because he doesn't want to do this visibly. This is a little risky, coming to Jesus. He comes at night, and he starts and he says, we know. Begins that way. We know. He's the mature, confident guy. We know. We know who you are. We know speaking for himself and for the council. We know, teacher, you're a teacher, and we know 
that you are blessed by God because of what's going on. We, we get that connection. They, they do believe, at least a number of them, that. We believe in that. We believe that you are a teacher. And particularly, we are impressed by your signs, it says. You see all that in verses 1 and 2. Maybe we'll just read that to reset it up. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can, no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So that's how Nicodemus comes. At night, we know this is what I'm saying about you. And then it's interesting, we get, we get right into this dialogue that happens between the two of them, and Jesus does not, does not answer directly. This is how Jesus works, right? In the Jewish culture, you speak and then somebody tells a story. Then you respond to the story, then there's another story. I mean, that's, that's, it's not this propositional boom, 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 boom that we're used to here. So Jesus does not really respond to what he says. He says, rather, very truly... Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. That's his response. You've come to me. You're talking kind of about religious things. He's a teacher of Israel, and then his response is, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Now, what's tricky, which even makes it foggier, is that the word above also means again. You must be born again. Or you can, must be born from above. The word goes either way. It means both. So Nicodemus goes with the idea, okay, again. How does a person enter the womb again? That's where he goes. So it's a very literal interpretation. You must be born again or born above. He goes with again, and he says, well, how can you do that? How can I, as a mature person, go into the womb of my mom again? How can, how can I do that? that? That's his response. He doesn't seem to think through the ideas that it could also be born from above. He goes with born again. And then Jesus then goes on, and he says... His response of, well, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. <laughs> you can just see Nicodemus. He's just like, okay, like, all right, born of water and the Spirit. And then Jesus gives an example of the wind. Jesus answered, verse 5, Very, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. We sang oceans. You have to be born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Here's a little parable. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Play on words, spirit and wind are the same word. Pneuma is spirit, pneuma is wind. So what's Nicodemus' response in verse 9? How can these things be? He completely does not get what Jesus is saying. 
You must be born above or born again. Well, how can I do that? How can I enter into my mom's womb again? Then Jesus goes on and says, well, you must be born of the Spirit, of water and the Spirit. Follow the wind. <laughs> Follow the Spirit's presence in your own life. Pay attention to what God is saying in your own life. Be alert. Be attentive to the Spirit, the pneuma. That's where Jesus is going. Nicodemus says, wow, how can this be? So you see what we're getting at is there, there is a paradox here. The teacher of the law is hearing religious truths, and he can't get it. And Jesus is saying as clearly as he can, because we're talking about mysterious things, this is what the Spirit is about. This is what spiritual life is about. Spiritual life is the same for you and me today. We must be born of the Spirit if we're going to be born again. It's interesting, you know, the word born again is hardly actually used in the, in the whole Bible. Hardly. But we hear that phrase, and we hear it repeated particularly on the American TV networks, you must be born again. And it's said so often, we think it must happen in the Bible a million times. It hardly happens at all. It's a phrase. Be born again. Be born from above. But everybody wants to put it in a little box. This is what it means. Born again, born again, born again, born again. Jesus used it as an image. It's true we need the spiritual life in us. You see the Holy Spirit in us. New life. But it's not some hackneyed phrase that's used a million times. It's not. It's actually a fresh image. You must be born again, born above. So much so that Nicodemus doesn't even get it. Remember, I used to uh, get my nails done. You ever get your nails done? I haven't, I haven't done that in quite a while. Kind of, you know, I won't go there anyway. I used to do it, don't do it. And the woman I used to go to was a lovely woman, Alejandra, and she's Brazilian, okay? And now she has her own spa downtown that does all this stuff. It's too far for me, but it's in your area, Mika, Dave, you should go there. <laughs> she's great, but too far for me to go down and park everything else. But it's interesting, in her family life, they, they, they are, are people who were at least exploring faith. And they got burned. The family got burned, big time, money-wise, by someone who was using the language, you must be born again. You must be born again. So it was a religious person. But the person took advantage of the family, and they lost thousands of dollars in Brazil. Imagine, it's a lot of money. So Alejandra became quite bitter about the whole thing. And so she used the phrase, born agains, Born, the born-agains are this group over here, bad people who take advantage of ordinary people. That's how she labeled born-agains. Born-agains are these bad people. Right? We generally would think born-again is a good term. For her, it wasn't. And while I'm getting my nails done, I'm trying to explain to Alejandro, you know, actually, the word is hardly ever used, you know? 
So born again, it's a very rare. Well, she, forget it. That, she didn't get that. Born again, swindled my family out of money. That's who they are. The mystery. So the idea of actually being born again, meaning receiving the Holy Spirit, entering into a divine human relationship through Christ, I mean, that, 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 that's lost completely. It's, these people took advantage of me. So that's the kind of stuff, you see, that we're all involved with. Because your people at work, when you talk about Jesus, and you, if that, they hear that phrase, well, how do they receive it? How, how does it penetrate their hearts? Because Nicodemus couldn't even get it, and then he was a Jew, and, and was aware of things spiritual. So your neighbor or your person at work, it can be like light years away. Do you see what I mean? Hence, we need to be with them and showing a life of love and walking with them so that they start to be receptive and responsive. So we have this interesting dynamic going on. This is where we end it, right here. So Jesus' response at this point, he uses another technique of parody. And so he plays on the word teacher, first of all. Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't get what I'm saying? This is very basic stuff he's saying. Are you a teacher? Then he uses parody on the word we know. We know what we are saying. You're a teacher and you don't know. Nicodemus had said we know. Now Jesus says, we speak what we know, you don't know. You see what I mean? Like there's play going on, on know and on teacher. So in a sense, he's kind of digging at Nicodemus a little bit. The good news is Nicodemus finally becomes a believer. By the end of the gospel, he does understand, and he actually helps to take Christ's body down from the cross and, and use his resources to help him get him buried. So he's on a journey. At this point, though, he doesn't get it. And Jesus digs at him a little bit. Are you a teacher and you don't understand this? I'm talking to you about very basic stuff, he says. If I started talking about heavenly things, spiritual things, whoa, we'd be totally lost. I can't talk about that because you can't even get this. And he says that because Nicodemus is supposed to be this insightful person on the Jewish council. Jesus kind of, you know, I want you to think about this a bit, Nicodemus. You're the mature guy, 50 years old. I'm only 30. You see me as the young, hick pastor, and I'm telling you, we need to be listening. That's where Jesus goes. So it begins with this dialogue. And then as it goes on, it moves into a monologue. Monologue starting right here. Jesus goes on and just, I mean, at this point we're not sure if he's still teaching. Well, he probably is still speaking to Nicodemus, but this becomes a one-way journey at this point. He goes back and he tells a story, another story to make his point. Story goes back to Numbers 21, where the Israelites are in the desert. They are completely messing up, doing whatever the heck they want doing this, doing that, 
breaking all kinds of rules. That's the Israelites in the desert. And so they start, God kind of gets at them, and, and there are now poisonous snakes in the desert. And some of them start dying. And then, of course, they cry out to Moses, saying, Moses, 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 tell God to stop and get rid of these serpents and snakes. Please, please, please. Moses talks to God, and God says, okay, I want you to shape this serpent of bronze, and when people get stung or bitten, they look to it and they will live. It's, it's quite a peculiar little story. Look at it and you will live. If you don't, you're going to die. So there you go. You can go back and read that story. It's number 121. Jesus pulls that one out of the hat and says, hey, this is what faith is like. Will Nicodemus get that? And then he says, even as the Son of Man, a reference to himself, must be lifted up, that those who look to him will believe and live. So he references that very story from Numbers 21 to his own journey. Nicodemus surely isn't getting that one. But by the cross, when he's standing under it, he begins to make the connection. So Jesus uses that image to show and really to kind of close his argument with Nicodemus. Serpent on a pole, you've been bitten, look up, believe and you will have life, you will be healed. So this is all the mystery and the revelation. So when people, you're talking to people about Christ and, and they say, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it, that's not really surprising because it takes faith. The whole spiritual life takes faith. You go out the street after, after lunch today, talk to your people. Well, who, whoever it is, are they going to believe or not? The whole thing is mysterious. It's true, it's revelation, but it's also mystery. So we always have to, I think, recognize that because otherwise we get, in, we get ourselves in real challenges. There is this mystery about it all. Then the text goes on and, and we hear more of this monologue. Jesus uses uh, two images. First image is eternal life. This is John's favorite image. He uses that phrase, eternal life, about 17 times in the gospel. He loves it. To know Christ and to enter into relationship with God is eternal life. Why? Because God is eternal. If we share in life with him, then we have this type of life. It's just the way it is. Which is pretty darn crazy, don't you think? Do we actually really believe that we have eternal life? Do you really believe that? You might not be sad all the time. Because you know that, hey, I've got eternal life. <laughs> That's pretty darn cool. I have the vicissitudes that I'm living through, but I have more than this. Life eternal. So I might have a job that I hate and, you know, whatever you guys are doing, and it's crummy, 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 and you hardly get any paid. But, you know, on the other side, I've got life eternal. That's got to be a good thing. Is that a good thing? John seems to think it's a good thing. It's the main image he uses. To show life with Jesus, eternal life. 
And then the second image he uses, you can see these verses, is light and darkness. Move from the darkness and move into light. John loves that too. God works, reveals himself, and then we are to be like a sunny plant looking to the sun, right? We want to go to the sun, look, move towards the light, not stay in the darkness. So why does John use that phrase so much, light and darkness? I think partly because we kind of like the darkness. We kind of often hang out in the darkness. Move from the darkness into light. The reality is is we all have our shadow side. <laughs> all of us, including you. And you know what your shadow side is. In whatever way that's demonstrated, it's different for everybody. Well, there's a shadow side for you and for me. And we have a proclivity to go towards that shadow side. And Jesus is saying, go to the light. Come to the light. Come to the light, whether you're 10 or 20 or 50 or 80 or 90, come to the light. The devil wants to get you stuck in the darkness and just stay there. So, Jesus uses these two images, eternal life and darkness and light. So that's the story about Nicodemus. I think it's kind of an interesting story. So where do we go with that? I'm going to suggest five points, four points. What Nicodemus needs to learn right off the top is that salvation is not based on birthright. It's not based on him being a good guy with a PhD, sitting on the highest council in town, respected by everybody. God surely has to love me. It's not that. Jesus says, doesn't matter if you're a Jew. Doesn't matter if you call Abraham your father. You and I, you have to be born, me too, Jesus says, in a sense. We have to be born from above. We have to have the Spirit. So it's not based on birthright. You know, in the States, there's a whole thing going on. Um, New Yorker had articles on it called, what's it called? It's called Christofascism. Can you imagine? There's a whole movement called Christofascism. And it's based upon white people, mostly white middle-aged men, who think that America should be them. And we're going to hang out on the principles of religion, and we're going to approach it as fascists. Christo-fascism. Now what that means really is the same. On my birthright, I'm saved. I'm saved because I am who I am. I'm a white guy from Georgia. I'm a white guy from Alabama. I'm a white guy from Texas. It doesn't matter. 
We need more of that. You see what I mean? That's what, that's what it's all about. Wow, you look it out. Check it up on the internet. It's, it's quite wild, really. So we can't play that card. You see what I mean? Our card is Christ. Born again. Born from the Spirit. Number one. It's not anything else. Secondly, this image is fully feminine, right? Fully. To be born again... This is a maternal image. It's not paternal. It's about God using an image that is female. God is not male, right? We know that, right? God is both male and female, if you like. He's spirit. He's neither. See what I mean? He has characteristics of both. And so when Jesus uses this image here, it's truly feminine. Frequently, we don't even think about that read that story a million times and that will never strike us but the image is feminine and we need to understand and relate to God as both masculine feminine because there are characteristics of both which we need to hear we need to receive going forward the church it's both that's what that's how we're sensitive to the spirit of God working and moving so that's number two I think very important. Churches where women still aren't allowed to speak. I mean, come on, you know what I mean? If you can't preach, our invitation is to respond to the gentle spirit of the Holy Spirit. Wow, gentle. That's the invitation, that's the mystery. You and I receiving and being attentive, being alert, being sincere and wanting to be open to what God's got for you and for me. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, and ruach is breath. God's, God's breath. Breath is sensitive, right? You can be sitting, meditating, and the wind blows, and what do you feel? You feel a little wind on you. That's Beth. That's Ruach. Feel a little wind on you. You feel a little sensation on you. Elijah in the cave, what does he hear? He hears the little, will, the little stillness, that little voice. <sighs> More often than not, God shows up in the little breath than hitting you and me over the head with a two-by-four. Rarely does that happen. It can happen once in a while. But the breath, you and I have to pay attention to that if we want to know God. And finally, it's about a new beginning. A new beginning. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, man, you can go way deeper than you are. And finally, Nicodemus hears that. It's a, it's a new beginning. To go up and take the body of Christ down from the cross when he's been crucified and there are Roman soldiers everywhere, that's a risky move. But he does it. He receives and moves into it. And God always wants for you this new beginning. Doesn't matter the age again. He wants you and me to receive that new beginning. And that's good news. And it's good news for us individually, and it's good news for us communally, collectively, hearing what God has got to say to us, the new beginning. 
close, there's an image in Ezekiel. Beth was reading Ezekiel recently. What did you say about Ezekiel? Hard work. Hard work. Ezekiel is definitely hard work. <laughs> it's long. And there's a lot of stuff in there that's a challenge. But there's a, no a lovely image here, 47, where water flows from the temple like a river. And it starts out like a little stream, ankle height, up to your knees, up to your waist, up to your chest, and finally you're swimming in it. Woo! Water flowing from the temple of God, bringing healing and life and love in the presence of God. That's our invitation. In your life and my life, really, really, that's the reality. The reality is there's a temple and there's currents flowing from that, if you like. That's the image. And we can enter into that and swim and move. Know his life and love. But the dark side doesn't want us to know that. Your shadows and my shadows don't want to know that. We get stuck on the beach. So may we hear, may we respond, may we go forward in faith, even though there is this mystery. Keep saying yes. Faith happens in us as we keep saying yes. That's the challenge. Keep saying yes. And as you keep saying yes, more and more will be realized. It isn't realized by figuring all out, going to seminary for three years, getting all this stuff in your head, that's not the secret. Nicodemus had more than that. It's saying yes, continually, in the challenges. Keep saying yes, and as you say yes, it will become more and more real to you. The Spirit will become more and more strong in your life as you keep saying yes. It's as hard as that, and it's as easy as that up to us. So let's hear the image of and the conversation of Nicodemus and Jesus. Think about it this week. In Christ's name, amen.